If you're uh, watching on Facebook Live, we are basically just live broadcasting the recording of our podcast. So this audio will be available later. And uh, But we thought some of you are on Facebook, you might want to chime in here. So I think I got all my channels up and going. We got sound. We're good to go. I've got uh, Bro Jinkman with me here today. That's your permanent name in my family, by the way. So good makes you a lot more hip relevant credible in today's climate it makes me a bro that's right so what we're going to do today is talk about all kinds of stuff i mean current issues so uh, we have a desire to help our people think to teach to shepherd uh, we're certainly not 100 percent right about everything but we want to think through events in light of uh biblical worldview and the gospel and things like that um and I'm going to do a handful of these. I've got three of these scheduled this week, uh, two with uh, Redeemer members and one with another local pastor. So uh, hopefully this stuff is helpful for you. So current events. I'm thinking more focused on uh, the Floyd issue and the protests, not coronavirus. That's over. Coronavirus. <laughs> it's over. Um, apparently, uh, at least for some things, <laughs> I, they literally, uh, uh, I have to look up who this was, CDC, WHO, someone said that they do not consider, um, coronavirus a risk for protests against racism. Like it's not a big enough risk that they would suggest not to do that. But it, but they would suggest not protesting against stay-at-home orders. the The risk comparison is different. So it's, it's, that's very scientific. Yeah. So there's that. Just informing everyone up front. Um, so there's a lot, man. There's a lot going on. And I, um, do you have a, a starting point where you'd like to come in, Joe? Okay. Well, let's start. You submitted a. Or sent me a paper that you had written. Did you just write that for one of your classes or something? Yeah. Okay. And it was a an exposition of uh, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right. Right. And we won't read it here, uh, but we can post that and share that for anyone who's interested. Um, so that's maybe a, a good place to start, and we'll go from there. I also asked our church to submit questions. And I've got some of that. Interestingly, all the questions, I said, hey, you can just post questions here or you can message them to me privately. And they were all sent privately. What they don't know is I'm going to read their names out loud as we read the <laughs> questions. So, so much for that. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Um, but Joe, any, any theories on what that might mean? It might mean nothing. It might be a coincidence. Why all the questions came privately instead of on the public I don't know. Come on, man. Make some judgments. There's enough Let's speculation. Judge people. There's enough speculation. Well, I'm going to speculate that people aren't comfortable necessarily with everyone knowing yeah, what they think. I think that's true. So as we're doing this, feel free to, if you're watching live on Facebook, feel free to comment there or message me privately uh, on Facebook. 
with any other questions or topics you'd like us to bring up. So, um, so you wrote this paper on the parable of the Good Samaritan, and uh, let's read it. You do want to read it? Yeah. Just... Not the paper, the, oh. the, the parable. The parabola. Yeah, it's Luke 10, 25 to 37. Yeah, so let's actually read the Bible here. And then uh, we'll kind of get at why you thought it was relevant for the moment. You want me to read it? Yeah. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him. Sorry. To the... <clears throat> Let me start again. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him. Stood up... Sorry, I can't read today. Stood up to put him to the test, saying... Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, remember, a lawyer is uh, one who interprets the law in Judaism, not like a lawyer we would think of. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? Mm. And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Okay, that's it, folks. See ya. Signing off. Go and do likewise. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> did Jesus pull the old uh, kind of like liberal subjective interpretation? Like, how do you read it? What does this passage mean to you? That's kind of what he did. Well, kind of. It he was it was common practice, though, in rabbinical debate and things to do that, to say, what do you, how do you read this? Mm. How do you interpret it? How do yeah, you, yeah. and they'd go back and forth. It was kind of a common way to do that. Um, so it wasn't necessarily Jesus being unique. But what is unique is... Um, well, I, I shouldn't say, I think what's interesting is, um, it is a matter of interpretation, right? It is a matter of how do you interpret the law? So one of the, one of the things that, you know, we talk about prejudice, well, that word means to prejudge. That's what the word means. So you prejudge, but not... You're, you're judging, in other words, before you have grounds on which to judge. So when we talk about prejudice, especially racial prejudice, 
we're saying it's you're prejudging a person based on the color of their skin or on what the culture that goes with that color of skin and you're judging it without or actually, one of the cultures that goes with that or color one of, of skin. right right and you're saying this is who you are therefore this is how i can treat you but it's not based on actually that person it's not based on who they are it's not based on what you know of them it's because ba- you, you don't know them often so you are prejudging them according to something the question is what is that it's not based on what they have done or not done necessarily it's based on what you assume they have done or not done and then that comes back to you on what basis do you judge and i i said that prejudice is a is a way to it's a way to judge according to your own law in a way that you can now serve yourself and neglect others so you it's serving you and giving you a way to justifiably neglect others right according to your law right so that's what the lawyer's doing on his first response he's correct you know love your neighbor right. as yourself all this stuff and jesus is like yeah so do that and he's now caught by his own interpretation so therefore he has to change the interpretation a little bit add a little well then who's my neighbor right right like if i can redefine that part of the law then i can feel justified in my actions right. or lack of actions neglect whatever it may be and he, and that's the big that's the big telltale sign here that that Luke gives us in verse 29 he says but he desiring to justify himself asked who is my neighbor right so i think that's a key thing is that when we come in our own <laughs> this guy knew the law this is another big point is that this guy was an interpreter of the law for in Judaism he was known for his ability to interpret the law he's a bible heavyweight he's a heavyweight and yet, yet he is, his goal is not the love of God. His goal is self-justification. Dang. And Jesus now is going to go tell a story to him using a chief lawbreaker as the hero. Samaritans were chief lawbreakers to a Jew. Why? Because they don't even worship in Jerusalem. They worship on Mount Gerizim. Why else? They reinterpreted the Pentateuch. They had a different Pentateuch, which is the five books of the law. So to a Jew like this... They're like a cult to them. They are like a cult, yeah. And so, and they also are ethnically compromised. They're not pure in the eyes of Jews. They, they intermarried. There's a lot of vagueness to how Samaritans came about, but it's, uh, certain scholars do believe they, there was intermarriage between these Jews of the northern kingdom in Israel and um, Mesopotamian groups that had come in during the Assyrian captivity. And so the story goes, and again, this is where prejudice comes in, like people probably didn't even know for sure who a Samaritan really was in that day by the time Jesus' day was there. But they knew all this background story, right? Like, well, Samaritans, we just don't associate with them. Because they're, you know, they intermarried. They're like half breeds. They, they don't, they don't follow the law. Therefore, they're unclean. Blah blah blah. Some of which is true, but I, I would guess a lot of people couldn't have explained to you exactly who a Samaritan was and why they didn't like them. Yeah, it was just that's the Samaritans. I think it's, we probably underestimate the extent to which racism 
was alive in the Bible, is alive in the Bible, was alive. Like, this right. is a huge issue. Like, the not all the Jews, but as a culture, as a whole, they really, because of being God's chosen people and him selecting them and working through them, that was a special grace and a special uh, treatment. Then they turned that into vainglory, right? They then view themselves as superior to the Gentiles and call them dogs and things like that. There's a, right. and it's not just the Jews. I mean, racism through the ages. I mean, forget it. Like this is, this is what happens. People divide. We hate, we self-justify, we identify with different, certain markers. Race is an easy way to do it in culture. And um, so we'll get, maybe get get into that a little more later. But, you know, when Paul talks about uh, Jesus tearing down the, the, the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles specifically, that's, that's a huge deal. It wasn't just, you know, having a multi-ethnic church was really radical. It was right. out of control. Like, right. it took a miracle of God to make that happen. Um, so anyway, just highlighting that, the, the, the presence and, and power of, of racism in this passage, in the scriptures, in that context. So yeah, it's not just some other guy. Like it, it, he's dirty to them. He's an outsider. He's a... He's, he's the worst, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe even worse, think of it like when I said cult, like if you think of, a, a, you know, let's say a false religion, I would say anything that's not biblical gospel-centered Christianity is a false religion. So I'm just going to throw it out there, Hinduism, right? Um, but it's so far from a lot of us and so different that it's, I don't think it's as uh, offensive to Christians as, say, Mormonism is. Because Mormonism is near, and it's in there's a lot of shared overlap in language and culture that it has a power to uh, be deceiving in a way that like Hinduism doesn't to to Christianized people. So that's that's something. That's when I said that they were a cult. They weren't just unbelievers, but it's a like a, a Judaistic adjacent thing that is viewed as a not just a false god, but a perversion of their thing. Right? It's I would argue that it's easier to be upset at. A perversion of your own thing than it is sure i felt that way i meet hindus i'm not like angry at their hinduism but when i see like frankly mormons walking down the street knocking on people's door talking about jesus and grace i'm like <laughs> i get upset man i'm like that's so de deceptive like yeah it's an interesting idea you know with samaritans it's and it you know it's not that jesus nowhere in here does jesus say what the samaritans believe is good that's not what that's not the point of the of what he's saying. He's not saying everything about Samaritans is correct, right? He's saying there's something that this Samaritan understands about the law. Ooh. Oh, oh, that, that you don't, Mister Lawyer. You don't understand this about the law of God. The Samaritan, he gets it to the point that he actually does it. Okay. Now it's not, which is confusing to us because we say, "Oh, that means the Samaritan is like a real believer." No, that's not what Jesus says. He's saying he's demonstrating it, right? An, a, a, a heart of of the kingdom of God, the heart of the kingdom of God. He's demonstrating the heart of God, and we think that that means it it justifies the entirety of what he believes. But that's not what Jesus is saying. It's kind of like when Jesus holds up the prostitute. He's not saying prostitution is great. Right. Or he holds up the Gentile. He's not saying the way of the Gentile is great. He's saying, but they are actually seeing something that you, who have the law, don't see. All right. Bring it, bring it home, Joe. How is this relevant? Well, today? so, 
Oh, so, you got... Go ahead. I, I mean, I think it's relevant in that we, we are... We're wondering how to... Maybe one question is, how do we confront prejudice um, in ourselves or in others? And I think one of the big things is, do we have to confront our twisting of God's law to serve ourselves and neglect others. So we all do this in different ways. Everybody does this. We we want to serve ourselves and and find a way to actually neglect others because they are in the way or they're they're inconvenient to us. And this that's sin. That's that's idolatry. It's self-idolatry. And it's it's it plays out in the area of prejudice. It plays out in the area of racism. It plays out in 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 what we're seeing right now in our culture. And so I'm just saying it starts at a very base level, right? Like you you acknowledge how are you even in the name of something that is good, like the law of God? How are you actually using that to serve to defend yourself? and find a way to not care for the other. Okay, that's a great question. Like, can you can you give me examples? Where do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I think we see We're gonna it. We're going to name names. I think we see it in in um, Black Lives Matter. Let's go there. Okay. So I've heard a lot of guys, including um, Matt Chandler, like address, and, and uh, Carlos Sims are... are uh, who came from Redeemer now at Frontier Church, like I've heard people addressing this idea of Black Lives Matter because the question in, I would say, more more uh, conservative circles is, well, can we actually endorse Black Lives Matter? Because it's connected to all these other political ideologies that we don't agree with. Like? Like, um, I couldn't even tell you specifics, actually. Here, I this mean, is one of the questions that come up, and we may have a... It'll be, yeah, this is interesting. We don't. I don't know what you're going to say right now, but... Uh, I have a sense of what I'm going to say. Um, I'll pull this up. Well, go ahead. Keep talking. I'll pull up the, I was reading, you know, what, what, what do they believe? What, what are they about? So I could be informed and not just be hearing right. on their website. I mean, and I, I, I to be honest, I, I, I studied this a lot more five years ago when Black Lives Matter was really coming out and, and, and it was more, uh, it was a big, kind of a, the, the big time it, it was blowing up five years ago. But, my, I, I think that when Jesus, like I say, he holds up the Samaritan as the hero of this story to show what it means to fulfill the law. He does not in that endorse being a right. Samaritan. Okay, good. So one of the questions that came through is, what is the church's position on Black Lives Matter? And we haven't written a position, so I'm just going to talk here and implicate all the pastors or some of them, and we may nuance this in different ways. But I'm going to say some things here okay this is from blacklivesmatter.com what we believe um again a lot of stuff uh that is great um well number one if it's hard to find i've been doing some research as far as i can tell they're fairly socialist marxist types this isn't uh like uh i haven't found that exactly on their website but um a lot of things they argue for, like the abolishment of prisons and police forces, um, mm -hmm. which we'll get to that too, the whole defund the police thing and, and what, what's being said there. Um, okay, so they foster a queer-affirming network, right? So they're, they're not, they reject biblical gender norms. 
right? Right, which is an inth- that's another interesting topic. But. Um, and so obviously as a church that is biblically based, we don't celebrate that. We are for the fair treatment, love of everyone, but calling out things that we believe are sinful, and that would in- we would say we adhere and promote biblical gender norms in the patriarchal family structure. So patriarchy is a bad word now, but... It is. We mm-hmm. do believe that males are called to be the head of the family, lovingly lead mm-hmm. their wives, their mm-hmm. wives compliment. I can't get into all that. But they dis- here, we dismantle the patriarchal practice that we, and they're against patriarchy. Um, so a lot of this gets into, right? So it's interesting because there, it's Black Lives Matter, but it's way more than that. It's almost like yeah. a, a front, not a, I don't mean that in a false front, but I mean it's like, it's kind of misleading. It's not clear. Let's put it that way. It's not clear. And I think that's part of the, the trouble. So I agree with what you're saying. They're doing a lot of good work. So if they are out there um, identifying injustices and seeking reform, which they are in some ways, um, I think that's a good thing that Jesus would celebrate, even though he wouldn't necessarily affirm everything they, they agree to. I agree with that. I, I, do, I do have pause. I saw Carlos's video and... I saw Matt Chandler's video. Here's yeah. how I would articulate. I don't have a problem affirming the value of every human being and even singling out a particular people group that has a particular struggle and saying, uh, don't be ignorant and think that being a minority in any country is not doesn't come with its oppressive effects. So yes, minorities and particularly black people in America have suffering that's particular to them that we don't have. And many of us are blind to it and need to open our eyes and are sticking our head in the sand even, frankly, Christians. It's almost like they think oppression is not possible here. Right. Okay, that is foolish. So I'm 100% in favor of saying that. I do have a, I would not feel comfortable putting hashtag Black Lives Matter on my uh, Facebook page because it's a hashtag. Right. It's a brand that is connected. And so... That to me, I do have an issue with that. So, it, why so, why did, why can't so, I just say it? No, I'm not. You're not saying this, but why can't I just say it the way I said it? Why do I have to say it this way? And that, yeah. Yeah. and I'm, nobody's necessarily telling me that. Um, right. But that's where I could make an argument for. I'm not comfortable promoting that brand, right? So let's say, let's right. say I can identify some Mormons that are doing some good stuff. Well, then I'm going to start plugging the Mormon Church on my website, like. No, I'm not in support of that. So I want to distinguish between some of the work they do and the brand that's yeah. connected to the broader organization. Here's what I love about Jesus. Come on. Jesus was so free to engage at the heart of the issue that he was willing to be misunderstood. What I mean is he was willing to endorse a Samaritan in his parable, knowing the backlash he would get. Oh, you're saying that Samaritans are right about worshiping on Mount Gerizim? Okay. Of course he's not. He wrote the law. Fair enough. But okay, but no, listen. No, no, no. There's <laughs> a fighting words, Joe. We're gonna fight. <laughs> so so but here's the thing. He I think that Jesus transcends the the categories of argument that were present at that time. And I, I think that he does it because he's willing to be misunderstood, and he's he's willing to challenge everybody, not just one side or the other, but he's willing to challenge everybody. So here, here's where I think, 
So that's one thing that I love about Jesus and the way he talks and the way he goes to the prostitute, the way he goes to these that would be otherwise um, looked down upon. And yet he says to them, go and sin no more. He, and yet he says to them, um, you know, this isn't—he he obviously endorses and promotes the worship in the temple in Jerusalem. This is part of the whole plan of salvation, right? Like, he's not—he— he can do both. He can both say, "I value what this, who the Samaritan is," while at the same time saying, "I, I don't, I don't endorse or, or agree with what Samaritans do." And how's now, that I'm, different from what I just said? I'm not saying it's it not. is different. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought it was I'm a saying, rebuttal. I'm saying here's what I love about Jesus. Oh, okay. So, but here's where it comes into this conversation is. I agree that Black Lives Matter as a as an organization as a movement has a lot of issues that I would that I would disagree on. I don't have a problem saying Black Lives Matter. I do have a problem saying hashtag or hey, I'm in line with this movement. Because I'm because I I am hesitant to do that with any movement. Right. Now, but here's a here's a, here is a rebuttal for someone that would say, "Well, I don't know, Look at all the things about Black Lives Matter. I would say that's true. Why don't you do that with Donald Trump? Why don't you do that with conservatism? Yeah, Why don't you do that with, with any movement? Right? Like people that support or voted for Donald Trump are, I think they understand the ones that I know, the, I think they understand they don't support everything about Donald Trump or even his politics. What they generally support is the platform and, and, and what, you know, generally is going to happen if he's president, right? There's a, there's a way they've distinguished this person and yep. some of his things, and even, even, the, even Republicans in general, they've distinguished that from certain things they value about it. For, for example, being pro-life. So, and I totally, I think that's fair. I just think the same the same has to be applied to those that would say what you're saying or you know like hey we 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 are for black lives matter. We think that black lives do matter and it needs to be said. And we're going to apply some scrutiny to the black lives matter movement and we're going to distinguish what we what we think is good and what isn't. I would, I would I'm not sure I would agree with that first statement. Black lives matter needs to be said. Okay, why? I made my argument that it's it's it is I can say it in other ways. I don't have to say it that way. Oh, you there's pre-existing a, language so for you, expressing so, the value of of black folks and brown folks. Like I don't have to use that brand. Right. So to to you so the phrase is a brand. It's a it is a brand. Right. And that's and I'm not saying you can't do it. If you feel comfortable saying, "Yeah, I don't have that rub." I can I'm I'm comfortable using that phrase. I'm just saying I can make an argument for why someone shouldn't could not. And that's where I am. I'm like, it is a brand. It is adjacent to other things. And I don't have to, I don't have to talk that way. They just came around five years ago. Brother, I've been anti-racist since, well, I've been racist and I've been anti-racist for many years. Like, I don't need them and their brand to say, and that's part of this whole issue. Is like, what happens is these things catch momentum and there's, and there's now a power that says, Hey, here's what we want you right. to do and say. Absolutely. Take a knee. I'm not taking a freak. I don't even know what taking a knee means. Right. I don't know what it means. Like, what are you saying? I would guarantee if I go out on the street right now and ask 100 people what taking a knee means, I get 
50 different answers. Like, right. So there's. So these- I'm with you on that. I'm with you on, in terms of not, not, in, not endorsing or promoting the movement of it. Right. And, but I, you just don't feel that it's. And I would say pro- promoting that phrase does that in okay. my mind for me. Sure. Um, so it's not as simple as calling out pastors to repent who won't do that. I don't think I'm in sin for that. I might be if there's a, some some well, secret reason I'm not wanting to do it. Right, right. And um, what are your actions showing? And what are your other words right, right, showing? Right. But That's, it's not as simple yeah. as you I mean, need if to some say dude this is or fighting repent. for for racial equality and yet he doesn't say Black Lives Matter. You can't really. What are you trying to? I mean, you're going to accuse him of what? Just not using the slogan, or you see what right, I'm right, saying? Right, 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 right. Well, and related to that, conversely, and this is like directly out of the passage, people in the Black Lives Matter movement are doing what the Samaritan did. Some right. of some of what they're That's doing right. is that work. Right. And some Christians aren't or are turning a blind eye to it. Right. And they're the ones that have the law. And that's where we can learn from those we would otherwise have prejudice against. Right. And that takes humility of the Holy Spirit, right? To learn from those to learn from a movement you don't actually agree with. Yeah. So I have a, a lot of you know, my family's multiracial. I have a Hispanics, Cubans, blacks in my family. One of my brothers in uh, Columbus is involved in leading protests downtown, uh, downtown Columbus. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I love him. He's not racist. I mean, his, his girlfriend's white. He loves white people, including me. And, um, <clears throat> and he doesn't think every cop is a, uh, a racist and so I, I called him I actually recorded the call because I thought it would be great to have on the podcast the recording didn't work but I use this as an example of yeah learn like he's not on the same page I am he's not I, I asked him where is he at spiritually he's he wouldn't affirm what I affirm about the Bible but I love him and he's out there trying to bring forth what he sees as necessary change and there is some necessary change so we'll, we'll get into that as well um one of the, and so I support him. And I think what I brought, the reason I'm bringing this up is like, talk to people. Like, right. have you ever had a conversation with someone who's like a loving, understanding conversation with someone who is a Samaritan, right? And understood why they're doing the things they're doing. And, and some of it, you might agree with 50% of it or 25% of it, but, um, but you can come away understanding. And, yeah. Frankly encouraged, like, wow, okay, my, my brother's out there, and he wants peaceful protests. Yeah. You know, I'll ask him, what do you think? He doesn't want the looting and all that stuff. He says it's a distraction from what they're doing. And he's given his life to this, and and uh, uh, that might be an overstatement. He's given his time and, and energy to that right now. So knowing people, having those conversations, parsing stuff out can really help a lot to drop a lot of the tendencies to justify. That's another big thing right there. Um, right. The the moment, the way things are polarized, it triggers. We we have a built in sense of self justification, and then things are really polarized and said. You're either like, uh, well, frankly, it can be just the, some of the conversation can be just shaped as you know you're basically just have guilt for being white. You need to repent. You need to, and it's yeah. like oh gosh, like you're, and some of that stuff has some nuance of truth to it, but you can see why people would just respond in defense. And then not hear each other, and now, now the next thing you have is just people yelling and right. justifying themselves and <clears throat> not being able to, to understand one another. Um, mm-hmm. 
So we don't have a position as a church on Black Lives Matter. That's how I articulate. You heard Joe's articulation. Um, and if you have more questions on that, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, Joe, I have questions here that were sent in, but any other things we want to tease out particularly related to this uh, parable or the, some of the issues you were, implications you were drawing? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, most of it came out there, but I, I think it's a helpful parable that does actually apply to the issue of racial prejudice. I think it biblically, exegetically, you can, you can safely do that. It's not just making it fit. Because this, this is a, a racial issue between Jews and Samaritans. It is also a religious issue. It's both. Um, and I think that, that, that we can read it and learn from it in, in how we approach someone that we deem to be wrong or that we deem to be problematic or different than us and that we can come away and say, oh, there's ways that I can learn from this, and there's ways that, that Jesus is leading me towards those people, because with, here's the kicker in this yeah. parable, the Samaritan points to Jesus. Yep. So not only is Jesus highlighting him in this story, but he's a type of Jesus. Okay. The Samaritan comes to the man that's left for dead, and he gives his time and his money to yeah. this man. Jesus not only gives time and money, he gives his whole life to those who were dead. Yeah. And so Jesus is, this is a big deal. Like it's, again, if we were thinking about it, think about the person that you have prejudice against or that you don't, you don't value. And think about that person being held up as one who points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's I, good. Jesus is much better, obviously. Right. He's a true but, better Samaritan. But but G, that's what Jesus is doing in this in this parable. Absolutely. And, and he says, "Go and do likewise." And then he went and did likewise. And he did it. Yeah. And he's saying to us, "Follow me in that." And that's what I love about Jesus. And I want us to keep coming back to it, is is Jesus and the way the Scripture points to Jesus is that we have to come out of our 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 shells of the way we interpret. Christianity and living a holy life, and we need to constantly be checked in our hearts by the truth of who Jesus is and and what how is that how is that shown to us in Scripture? And if we're honest and looking at the passages like this one, it's it's going to be uncomfortable. It yeah. really is. It's going to be uncomfortable. We, I, you know, I listen to Candace Owens. I know that's another hot topic. You know, well, Candace Owens says this, and you know, she's a conservative young black woman who's a commentator and she has she has attacked George Floyd's character because he has a criminal record mm. and he was high when he was arrested and, mm. and then killed and I I yeah. think that this is another way that we that we are quick to to dismiss issues based on particulars of people and this goes on in the church all the time, right? Like, well, did you see the way they parent their kids? Well, did you hear that, you know, they watch this show on Netflix? So I'm not sure we can listen Which to... Which show? I don't know. I don't watch Netflix, but... Mm, mm, holy. <laughs> but I watch YouTube. Um, we do this a lot. We, we, we find a way, again, to justify ourselves... Yeah. And neglect others. Yeah. If especially if they're saying things we don't want to do, 
And I think Jesus just obliterates that category of thinking and that way of thinking, and he comes against it, very strongly comes against it. Yeah. And I think that we do that with people. I mean, I, I understand George Floyd had a criminal record. Honestly. It's kind of irrelevant. That's irrelevant. And yeah, it's not I, kind I, of I irrelevant. Can, it's completely irrelevant. It's irrelevant to his death and, and to the, the larger issues of race in our country. Now, the other thing I've heard is, and this is one of the questions that came in, what do we do with these, this video montage that was put out by a conservative group that has a bunch of black people challenging um, the way, the narrative we're hearing on, on broader media. Can which, we play that? You want to play? It's long. It's pretty like 13 minutes. Let's just hear a little bit of it. Yeah, when well, you get 13 minutes, but I've seen clips like this. Challenging. Like, oh, no. My, uh, no, I can't do that because, uh, I've got the audio. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Watch this. Boom. Um, I'll pull up the video, but what do you think is relevant? So in, in basically, this? you know, you got different commentators, different actors, um, and they're all black, and they're they're kind of challenging the more what we would call a liberal view of the black community that says, you know, poor them and things. And they're saying, no, 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 it's our fault. Um you know, black on black crime is actually way higher than than police brutality statistics and all this. And hey, so let's listen. We uh, got, I got to put it here. This kind is, of like this is uh, religion to me. Morgan Freeman. It's a good excuse for not getting people. there. Where are we in the United States? Oh, there's a handful of part in wealth dis distribution or either a mindset that you can't. Today? Cannot, yeah. No, you don't. No, I don't. I don't. I, you and I, we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick your, put your mind to what you want to do and go for that. Uh, it's kind of like religion to me. It's a good excuse for not getting there. Where are we in the United States of America so this in is race relation? Lil Wayne. What, what you see from day to day in your life. Skip, they wouldn't want to ask me that. They wouldn't want my answer to represent it because... God knows I have been nothing but blessed. My whole path. Straight covenant. These 33 years have been nothing but a blessing. <laughs> it's all blessing. I have never, and I'm, never is a strong word, I've never dealt with racism, and I'm glad I didn't have to. There is a class of colored people who make a business of keeping the troubles, the wrongs, and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Some of these people do not want the Negro to lose his grievances because they do not want to lose their jobs. There is a certain okay, class so of race. Again, you can find these videos online. The point is there are black people that aren't necessarily having the same narrative or point of view as others, right? I don't know if you can't believe this guy. He said Negro. So that's, you can't say Negro, even if you're black, I think. So he's discredited. Um, <clears throat> So, the, yeah, this is, a, this is an important question, like, because I do hear that. Listen, we need to listen to the black community. But, like, what, is there one voice? Who is that? Right, you mean right, my brother? Right. Have you talked to him? Do you know what he thinks? Right. Do you mean Morgan Freeman? Do you mean Black Lives Matter? They're not all saying the same thing. Some of them, you know, who? So I think it's a fair question, right? Like, yeah. How, what do we make of, and so we have people, and this is sent to us from someone in our church, like, what do you think of this? How do you respond to, to these issues? So, go, Joe. 
Yeah, I think it's a there. There is a there is a classic um, tokenism that that can that can happen in any of these race debates, which is, hey, we found somebody from that side, so to speak, to bring a different perspective, and so it counts ten times more because they're from that from that community, so to speak. And I I think there's validity to that, right? Because it's showing the different perspectives within okay. one group that we put together often. And I think that's valuable to hear, oh, this is a, there's a lot of different perspectives coming from this group that we have deemed as one common thing. And it's like, that's helpful to one, see that diversity of thought. Um, but if it's being used to dismiss the entire idea of racism, okay, then it's being misconstrued because even Denzel Washington in this in this montage admits there's a systemic racism in America. He's not saying there isn't. He's just saying, what's the solution? And the solution to him is different than what some of the more, uh, you know, broad, broad voices would be saying the solution is, like Barack Obama or somebody like that. He's saying, no, 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 I get that we got to, we, we, we have racial inequality, but how does it change? Well, I think it changes with the family. We need more fathers. And I think I, I think that but where but where did they, where did the fathers go? Why did they go? Are they incarcerated? Is there is there why are is they incarcerated? Bi- is there bias to how many are incarcerated? You know that's where the systemic issue got, that comes back into play. Right. And 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 on and on we go. We debate is it nature nurture kind of thing. You know like well who well he's in he's in prison but he's in prison because the system basically gave him nowhere to go. So he so he got into trouble. So then he was put in prison. And it's like well actually that's kind of true. But what's also true? Well, he's responsible, like Morgan Freeman is saying, you are responsible as an individual. And how does that work? So, I, I mean, we have a, this is our theology. So let's, you're just applying. So let's just back this up. We are simultaneously unable and constrained by reality and responsible. Just so that I am a, what's the word for that? I forget it. Uh, compatibilist yeah right so we are each born into a system run by the devil an unable right i mean ultimately it's run by god but you know the god of this world at this at some level he's running you know the earth and the sons of god and sin and i can't help my anger i can't help so i'm i'm a victim in one sense and unable to change and yet, I am not at all absolved of responsibility for my sin, right? That's Romans 9 all over the Bible. So, so just apply that. We can say that about any situation. So if you take an impoverished child growing up in a really dysfunctional culture that you wouldn't want to move to, and the proof is you haven't, um, you don't want to live there, you work hard to give your kids different advantages. When people grow up in these disadvantaged scenarios, in one sense, they are trapped, they don't have the options. They can't help it, you know. Now God could intervene in some way and and enlighten and bring mentors and that kind of thing. But they are trapped, and they're responsible. So I'm just taking that point you made and broad broadening it back out and say this is right. this is just our theology applied really. Like if you kill someone, you you killed them, and no amount of right. Well, I was born poor. Is like, oh, okay, then you get off because of that. Like, and again, why do we take one side or the other in this issue? 
Self-justification. I think most of the time it's self-justification and a way to not have to care not for engaged, another. So if it's, if it's the side that says, poor me, the system's against me, well, there's a lot of issues there because I think there's a whole, there's a whole uh, group in society that would love to control a population. I'm not going to get too much into that, but people will take advantage of the idea that you need help. Right? So let me help you. Oh, and with that, let well, me, that's kind of what me, that guy was let saying. Let me tell you how to think. Let me tell you how to vote. Let me tell you how to. Okay, so we know that there's that going on in society that people take advantage of the needs of others, and then act like they actually care, but they don't. But there's also the need, the the desire to just get off the hook. Yeah. If you're, especially if you're in that position where you know it's not my fault. But the other side says, "Hey, look, you're responsible." And if you don't do your part, I don't have to care for you. Right. If right. you if you don't get out of jail and stop doing drugs, stop and... doing drugs, then I don't have to care for you. This is not gospel. And I can feel better about myself that I was more responsible than you. That's why I have savings, you know, or whatever it is. And you said this in your sermon on Sunday, like. You forget grace. You forget when you judge the rioters, you used to riot, and yet you forget that because now you feel better than them on your own terms. And it makes you angry now because it's self-justified. And you, you you went through that in a personal story. I wasn't expecting a, a therapy session here, Joe. <laughs> you know, and you're expressing that side of it where you start to not have grace because it's about pulling yourself by your own bootstraps. You forget the gospel. So there's both sides are seeking to self-justify and to find a way to not have responsibility. And here's the deal. I think that when we look at videos like that, we have to we have to think this way. We have to be like, well, that's a good point, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. I but overall, what are we is that a reason now for me to not care about the issues that are being brought up? Is that a reason to disengage then and just say the media is blowing this up? I don't think so, because I think we're, we're still in this position of our churches are not are not multicultural for the most part. They're very we're still divided. And the question that, is, is that all right? I think I don't think it is. No. So every church in in uh, Cedar Rapids should have an equally proportioned distribution of all the ethnicities, thereby ensuring that only the majority white church actually exists and all the few not black just, people are distributed among all the churches and we erase their culture and it's a new colonialism? No, Is that what you're saying? No, because you just made... You, just, you, you assumed it has to become law. No, I just mean that would... I know that... Even if it just happened organically. Like, what? Like it's... So I'm curious about that. I, I, I'm certainly... I think it'd be great. I do think that in if we look at the book of Acts, it progressively becomes multi... Cultural. Now, that doesn't just mean multi-ethnic um, and different skin colors. It means all kinds of things. It means it means um, just geographic where you're from. It means it means class in society and especially Jew Gentile in that time. So, in the Book of Acts, like Antioch was this multi, the first kind of multicultural <clears throat> group, and and they and they start to send out to the nations, but. What we see in that is, I do think there there's something about the kingdom of God that will that will reflect what the kingdom of God is in in the way people uh, gather, and I don't think it's necessarily. I, I've been around 
organizations that really try to make it happen, so to speak. They force multiculturalism. I'm not saying that's good because I think that's a kind of, again, a tokenism um, that makes us feel better. Like we're, you know, hey, look, you know, we represent, which is just, what's the point of that to me? But if you, but if you are living in a way that, that I think is faithful to like how Jesus lives and talks. Some of that's going to manifest inevitably. People, I think people from different backgrounds will feel, feel invited. There's they will, a space. They'll feel like there's a space. And I'm not saying that has to be a certain percentage or, you know, it's bad if you're mostly a white church because Cedar Rapids is mostly white. So also you have to look at the demographic right. of your community. I mean, if you're, you can't expect your church to be a perfect mix if your community isn't. But I do think the church should lead the way in a community that is somewhat homogenized or, 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 or more, you know, monocultural. So the church should lead the way in breaking out of that, I think, because that's what the kingdom of God is like. Now, again, that doesn't mean force it or, hey, you're doing a bad thing because you're mostly a white church. It just means, hmm, is there something to learn here? Is, is, is God going to teach us something here? Um, are we open to that? Uh, so I, that's, I, I really do think that. And yeah, I get it. I get why we, we have the struggles we have, but yeah. Let me, so regarding just some final comments on that, the video and that type of thinking or, um, number one, we need to bring the, the truth of the Bible to bear on everything. So Morgan Freeman is a human and he has his perspective and that's fine. Uh, but if, if what we're hearing from him takes our thoughts to an unbiblical place, then that's, that's not good. He, he seems to have a pretty positive, like, Hey, you know what? Let's just stop talking about race and it'll go away. Um, and I just don't think that's, that's true. I don't think that's biblical. Um, or Lil Wayne experienced I've never experienced racism and I've got all these, well, that's his perspective. And I guess he, for some reason feels that way. But for me, it's very, very simple. I'm speaking particularly to predominantly white majority culture evangelicals right now. You have to acknowledge that there is racial oppression in the world. I was just there's sin in humans, and humans are in systems. And sin is therefore in systems. There are unjust laws. Unless you think the law of the United States is holy, is the holy law of God, there are going to be unjust laws. We may be unaware of them because they don't impact us. We haven't had to do the research to go, here are the specific things that need to change. I just read an article yesterday that said, this is in Cedar Rapids, the police chief changed a policy. Did you read this article? Yeah. The policy that he changed was he is now, they are now, police, required to intervene if they witness a poli another police officer using excessive force. Mm -hmm. Why is that a new policy? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's I can... A, that's a problem. That, that <laughs> before, they wouldn't before. Before it wasn't a policy. Yeah, I, I'd be interested in knowing a little more of the details. No, I just want to just get the quick overview. All right, so back, <laughs> but here's the thing, and this is confession. I haven't had to run. I, don't, I, I can't go down and make a strong list of all the unjust laws because I, probably ha I haven't had to run up against it, and that hasn't been my forte. But I know this as a Christian. The law of the United States is not God's law. No. I could just simple as that. It is necessarily 
broken. Right. Now, does that mean the whole thing should burn down or we can work for incremental reform? I don't know. There's different approaches. But you cannot, as a Christian, say that the, any country's law is holy and just and good. No. Absolutely. That's an unacceptable Christian position. And you cannot say, when God says, fight for the oppressed, you cannot say, there are none here. Is this the new heavens and new earth? Right. Now, it may not be playing out in the way so-and-so says it is and the way so-and-so says it is, and you, can, and you have to figure that out. But you cannot have a position that says, there is no oppression here. That's, that's just not true. So there's some big theological pegs that you can put in really quickly that protect you when Morgan Freeman says, yeah, race is not a problem anymore. It's like, ah, I'm glad that's your experience and you feel that way, but that's not, that's not flying in my worldview. It's impossible that that would not be the case. It's impossible because we live in a fallen world. And I do, th- as I talk with, I hear them, I see them out there posting stuff. I talk with people who are just like, man, I just think we're living in the past. Racism is a thing of the past. Slavery is over. Jim Crow's over. I mean, Ben Shapiro. I just I heard him. I listened to him. He says, you know, Jim Crow laws is over. There is not one unjust. Show me one unjust law and we'll fight against it. You can't just fight, you know, like general racism. What are the unjust laws? What are the unjust laws? He apparently thinks there are no unjust laws. And that racism is a thing of the past that we need to stop bringing up. And I just disagree with him, even right. though I listen to him. Right. Uh, By the way, our goal in this podcast is, is to fight, is to make everybody mad. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, I hope not. Saying, I, I hope. But that's. Well, go ahead. I hope we can listen to reason. And, right. And, right. And some of you might go, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. But, uh, of course, there has to be oppression. And I'm not saying that you are a bad racist who wants to kill black people. Jesus, man, I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just saying, have you traced some of these thoughts out? Right. And that's where I would push against the other side. You know, that goes, you are necessarily guilty of racism because you were born into a white, you know, right. d- dominant culture. And I go, no, and I don't carry the sins of my fathers either. Someone asked me that. What about the sins of our fathers? Like, bro, I don't carry my own sins. They're at the cross. So I certainly don't carry the sins of my fathers. Are there things that, in history that have modern implications that we should look at yes so yeah maybe everybody's mad well these are fighting words but these are fighting words and and i think that again that's what i love about jesus and i'm not saying we're being like jesus here but i think that um i really think if we looked deeply at the way he spoke and what he did and then what the church did it would be it would be very challenging to us. Here's here's something that I feel very strongly about right now is that, as as in general as mm. an, in the evangelical community in America, and I know that gets thrown out there all the time, but I, I do think this is true that as a as a whole, when we think about our who are our prophets, you know, uh, we go to the Gospel Coalition, we go to uh, you know. I don't know what else. What else is that? John Piper. John Piper, you know Billy Graham, Franklin Graham. Um, Ooh, we look to these to these. Mm. You know these kind of represent evangelicalism, and I I really I think that we are protecting something that is not good. As a whole, we're protecting an identity. We're protecting freedoms. We're protecting comforts. We're protecting familiarity. We're protecting 
something that is actually like this lawyer, not the true law, not not the gospel, not and, and the kingdom. I don't see what's offensive about that. That's what I think. Like, what are you literally saying if you don't agree with that? That you don't have sin? That you don't seek your own comfort? That you don't lack love? Like, and the question then is, well, how is it manifesting in, in this area, right? And I, that's, I just think that's inarguable. But the, but the problem no. is the way that it's framed often is that it's, I think if I sat with any Christian and asked the question that way, they'd go, huh, I can't name, I can't name one person at our church that would say, no, I have no sin. I have, like, right. But there's blind spots and cultural blind spots, and, right. and it might not be the time for them to have that revelation or something, but they're not going to sit there and say, no, I have no sin, and I never justify myself, and I don't seek my comforts. And if I said, well, how do you see that manifesting? We may be able to have well, a healthy conversation. Ask, here's a great example, okay? Want to use me? No. No. Oh. These are blind spots. They're blind spots. We don't see them unless somebody else brings them out. This cultural moment is bringing that out. You can argue about the, the protesters or the, and the rioters and do an ad hominem argument against all of that if you want, but then you're just missing what God's trying to say. He's trying to speak. I believe this. He's speaking to us as the people of God and saying, what, what are you going to do? Yeah, there's a lot of craziness on every side, but what it's bringing up, it's challenging the, the status quo. And, he, and I believe that God, is. it's a moment he's speaking and saying, what are you going to do about it? What are, what are you going to do? Do you ignore it? Do you justify yourself? Do you do you dig in your heels or do you actually, oh, God forbid, read a book by somebody you wouldn't agree with or watch a, a, a podcast or whatever that you wouldn't agree with normally and actually learn from it without, without worrying you're going to be caught up into some bad ideology. If you are confident in the way God has has spoken to you and, and led you in your life, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid and defensive? Why are you so guarded about those who might just mess up your country? Mm. You are insecure. Mm. You don't know the kingdom if that's your response. And you, you and that's what we you're saying, yeah, of course we don't. I'm saying, but we all have places in our life where we actually do guard ourselves and we don't see it. And if, yeah, if, if you came to me and said, well, Joe, you have sin, I'd be like, yeah, you're right, you're right. But if you said, no, Joe, actually, the way that you treat the poor people in your community, I've noticed you, you yeah. ignore them. I'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know about that. Why? Because it's specific. And it's getting at something you would never want to be identified with. You'd never want to be identified as one who ignores the poor. But what if you do? Yeah. What if you're doing that? Listen, this is an example. How do you perceive the best way, the best context to raise your children? That will In prison. I think that reveals something because, oh, well, we're going to need a house that can fit them all. Really? Why? Well, because that's showing care and value for their life, that they can have space in their room and things to play Joe, with. Joe, I'm going to have to turn you down. You are starting to make people mad. And I'm like... Now. <laughs> where where the heck does it talk about this in scripture that you have to have a room big enough for your kid to feel comfortable in to be to actually be caring as a parent for them or they need a college savings account really or 
they we shouldn't live in a neighborhood that that has violence because what if my kid gets mixed up in it you know and that would be uncaring for them are you considering them i just don't buy it i just think it's ridiculous and it reveals the idols of our heart that that are saying it's an it's a twisting of god's law to say as long as i am caring in the ways that i think are caring i'm good and i've done my part but what if it's not like that what if we're being challenged to think differently and i i just think that's a big it's hard because it is hard and it's it's certainly yeah if you're not if jesus never makes you uncomfortable <laughs> that's a problem in in an area that he talks a lot about right the bible talks a lot about oppression and poor and the sojourners immigrants the we've gotten good at talking about well even then we kind of just make a generalization. We'd talk about our personal sin and, you know, our, our family life and how sin plays out there. And But even then, we'd like to generalize it. I think very often, okay, so in Cedar Falls, you'll hear this this Sunday, but I basically confessed my anger on Sunday and talked about how it's not good and called the church to, you know, to repent, frankly. Like, my guess is probably every person in the room was like, maybe not, maybe not all of them, but all of them, like, great sermon. Okay, but how many of them then went to the person they had been angry with and said the specific thing, right? This is a a general thing that plays out in all kinds of areas, which is we can generally affirm sinfulness. Well, of course I get angry. Of course I neglect the world. Of course I seek my comfort. Okay, but where are you doing it? To who are you doing it? And how are you going to move forward in that and seek reconciliation repentance? That's really different. So that's another challenge is that we get comfortable with the platitudes and the generalities raise your hand if you're sinful name the sins you commit <laughs> it's like quiet right like crickets and there's places for that but as a whole we're obviously we seem we're uncomfortable with that um joe here's a question someone asked um they would like to hear us discuss how quickly our church members reacted slash judged to someone's actions displayed on social media who was placed in authority by our God before all evidence was produced in a trial held. So they're talking about, sounds like, uh, Officer Chauvin or Chauvin, however you say it, Chauvinist? Oh, I just saw that. Officer Chauvin. Um, and By the way, he was married to a Hmong woman. Okay. Who is, that's a, a, a people, people group, group yeah. in South China that were refugees and live in the Twin Cities. So does that mean he's not a racist? It's a it's an interesting... What well, is interesting, so if, if we should listen to black people, my brother says that he doesn't think Officer Chauvin was a racist. He has no reason to believe that. We don't know. No, but no. that's... but but So that's important. <laughs> so And that, again, the narrative doesn't help the conversations. Like, no. he may be racist, he may not. I don't know. Right. And I'll give you my interpretation of the video, I guess, but... Um, uh, oh... Well, you're saying he's married to a Hmong woman, so but she's probably just token. She divorced him the day he was arrested. Well, because she saw the video and realized he was racist. <laughs> it's it's a little complicated, isn't it? Oh, um, okay. So right here, no, so no, number one, she says he was placed in authority by our God. Well, that's true. Now, just to say, all you know, everyone's placed where they are by God. Um, I wouldn't say that that makes them free of any kind of scrutiny. I mean, she may not be implicating that, but. Um, so I'll just speak to that a little bit. But the question then is, 
it gets into this idea, and we've seen this a lot over the last several years, is trial by social media. So before there's a trial, and you go down, you can apply this to all kinds of stuff, but specifically staying on topic with black kids being killed or harmed by cops, the verdict is out, you know? And this is probably the clearest video. Well, there's a couple other ones, Eric Garner. Um, there's sometimes you don't even have a video. You just have a story, right? Someone so got shot with his hands up. like, And there's a response um, without evidence in a trial. And obviously, I think she views that as problematic. Why is the church being so quick to judge? Hey, we've declared this guy guilty. Which is a whole other thing. Like, oh my gosh. Listen to Ben Shapiro talk about what Chauvin will be charged with. And, you know, there's a tendency to, like, want a higher charge. But the problem being, it has to be the right charge. So if you could charge him with first-degree murder, but you can't prove intent, he'll actually get off. You know, so you don't just want the highest charge, you want the right charge. But anyway, the idea being, he's already been declared guilty. Like, he is a, a racist murderer. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, I, I, I agree with her. Whoops. Um, that, well, we haven't named names. We know yeah. their gender. Um, everybody should be should be um, innocent until proven guilty. That's I, that is the way it okay. should work. However, yes. the video complicates things. That's where the that's where this is different. You know, we have a video now that everybody is seeing online. That now I'm not saying it's conclusive because videos don't have the whole context either. But everybody is seeing the this man literally die and then they do the autopsy and there's different, you know, depending on who did the autopsy, they're getting different causes of death. Oh my gosh, this thing is not over. Here's the issue though. I think that the concern is, are we, are we, uh, uh, are we going around the due process just because there's a, there's a moment of, of, of uh, reaction here? And I think that's that's a legitimate concern. We don't want to turn into, you know, the revolution in France or something. In, Some people do, because that's the well, response that's to it, right. which is forget the due process. That's what we're saying. We're yeah, saying the process is, is screwed, and it's, it's going to be proven. Maybe if right. he gets charged with the wrong thing, yeah, the, and gets the only off, trouble is, I guess somebody's going to come in with another process. Yeah, and who controls that? And the is, Marxists, right? they want blood in the streets, Joe. Yeah, They're out somebody's there. Somebody's controlling that. I know people so who are saying, go ahead. I agree with the concern. I do think um, it's not a. It. I agree that we that, that we have to still look towards the due process and say we're not going to jump to conclusions. But the video again adds this element that helps people make conclusions, and I think we have to understand that and say, yeah, there's a video that everybody's seeing here, which is different than well, I heard or he said. It's like well, I watched. And so now it's, well, what, what do we charge him with? That's a legitimate question, and that shouldn't be influenced by the rage. And so I just would say, yeah, absolutely, we need to be considerate of due process. And um, so, I, but also, like... One personalizes this. You know, if I showed you video of someone beating up your daughter in a park, and I'm saying, and you're angry, I'm like, hey, man, hold on. Wait for the trial. Right. No, right. maybe there's there is context. Who knows what she said? But man, you just like you're you're gonna be upset. You're gonna yeah. You're gonna want justice. You're gonna want and you're gonna assume what that justice right. is based on what you saw. So in general, so, you're saying yeah. Generally, 
lean into and trust the process. Um, but it's understandable why there has been this reaction and, um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I, and I would say on the other, the flip side of that, the argument is, hey, where's the due process for all of these falsely charged black criminals, you know, quote unquote criminals? Like, you know, Just Mercy is a movie that, that you can watch for free right now. It's a book that was written about falsely accused um, men, and I think just men, I, can't, I don't even, I think it's just men on, on death row. And it's it's amazing that they don't get due process. And that's the whole that's the whole point is like, well, yeah, you're saying now that you want due process for this for this cop. Well, let's grant her the benefit of the doubt and say she would also want due process for them. Yeah. And this I'm just speaking to a broader issue now. But, you know, that's the whole argument is where there hasn't been due process for all these others. And so but the but the way to say you want due process for them is not to say, hey, forget due process for the other. It's we still are saying we want due process for everybody and let's look at where it's been uh there's been an inequity in that um so anyway i you know it's it's a loaded issue um so again i'm doing a handful of these podcasts this week because i want to well frankly i just want to be able to speak <laughs> i feel like that's my part of my role in calling and particularly to redeemer church um and so we're going to put out quite a bit of content. I have a couple more things probably want to get through here with Joe, see if I can find this. Um, man, one guy sent me like 30 questions. I was like, oh, no, I ain't got time for that. Um, hmm. Let's change gears here a little bit because I want to talk about this, and I want to, I'll get back to current issues, particularly with police uh, reform and things like that in further up, in upcoming episodes this week. Um, we'll do several. But here's... This is a little different. This is related. Um, okay, I would like to know the church's stance on BLM. We talked about that a bit. Uh, when will social distancing in the church be back to normal or be non-existent? And they're linked, these issues. I'm concerned now that we are putting the protest on the Facebook pages, the church Facebook page groups, and I feel we have opened the door for what people are passionate about. We're okay to go to protest, but have to social distance and leave five minutes after service? My concern is our religious freedoms are getting ignored at church. Okay, number one, um, we generally dissuade posting about uh, other outside events in our Facebook groups. Uh, A couple of those have slipped through the cracks. I've talked to a couple people that have posted that stuff. Um, And particularly, uh, I mean, we shared something about, you know, other churches joining for prayer. I think that's pretty, you know, not non-controversial. I would not be encouraging our people to, on our, if you want to do it on your personal Facebook, fine, but using our Facebook uh, to post any events. I mean, it's a, a public library book reading, frankly, but especially anything as hot as this, like uh, protests. Like, even though I would say in one hand, yeah, there needs to be reform and I support people protesting. It's not something that our church is officially going to sponsor. And especially these things go go so crazy. Like, I would, I would, that was an error on our part, letting that slip through the cracks. So, just affirm that that's not appropriate. Um, I don't post about abortion uh, protests and things. Those things happen. And uh, so let me just affirm that. Um, I think there's some, uh, frankly, deception and uh, dishonesty and just bullcrap going on. Like, 
the media is so caught in the media the world racism right now is the number one sin right it's like the worst thing you can do uh not apparently sexual assault the, the way you can tell one all the fervor but number two the fact that the the public protests with thousands of people together close yelling is deemed important enough to negate stay-at-home orders or avoiding large groups like this is the one thing like i mentioned i think i mentioned it earlier at the beginning of the, pro- the podcast but if you want to protest stay-at-home orders they literally say that's not that's not acceptable i can't so i can go to a protest with ten thousand people but i can't go to my church with more than 135 in cedar rapids i have to maintain six feet social distancing i think that's hypocrisy i think it's bullcrap i am in agreement with this person uh when is it going to end when are we going to not have to social distance at church anymore i don't know i shared an article with him i've shared it before i'll put it online that kind of sums up my uh view on this and what i'm trying to do is is balance a lot of things and at some point and it's not just me it's the whole pt i'm i'm influencing that for sure but I'm going to generally tend toward submission to law. You know, like that's what, that's our default. Like the cop says, pull over, you pull over. If they say, look, they've written laws and say, hey, you need to keep social distancing. Like I'm going to do that. At some point it may come, and we've talked about this. It may come a time when we say, um, no, no, no. Actually, we have hired you to, to work for us and serve the public good. And you aren't doing that. You're making unjust, you're putting unjust restrictions on businesses churches families i mean frankly dude this is some straight up bull crap we've had funerals in our church where they weren't allowed to invite people yeah but thousands of people can go to the george floyd funeral that is hypocrisy and bull crap i'm not in favor of that does that mean necessarily then that i'm going to lead my church in protest maybe all right, so I'm, I'm just weighing a lot here. Like, are we going to do that? Are we all prepared to go to jail? Am I prepared to put my position, my use my position to get maybe other people in my church to go to jail? I don't know. They may not. They may ignore us because they're caught up with all, all the other stuff. The point is, I share your concerns. My general posture has been, hey, we can tolerate some inconvenience, some injustice. It seems to be moving in the direction, of, in a positive direction, and I want to, I want to, uh, kind of bide my time and just and, and see our way out of this. It's, it seems to me to be the direction. It seems tolerable to me. I share the concerns. I see the bullcrap. I see the lies, the manipulation, the injustice, the frankly virtue signaling. And I, um, so, Joe, any thoughts on that? This is kind of my quick response to that. I don't know when the social distancing is going to be over. Um, it's a lot of bullcrap, man. Yeah, I agree pretty much with what you said. I. I think that we need to be aware that um, don't don't be surprised that there are forces at play that hate that hate Jesus and hate his people. Okay, like let's not can we not be surprised by this, everybody? I mean, don't act like you never read the Bible, okay? Well, they may not be surprised. They may, but they may just be going, okay. But then, what do we do about that? How we how do we respond? How, how does the Bible tell us to respond? Well, it's a good question. How does the Bible tell us to respond? Um, 
Well, I think there's there's ways that if there 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 are lines where they say, hey, you can't actually you need to you need to bow your knee to the cultural God. And we say, no, we're not going to do that. Question is, what does that look like? When does that time come? I personally believe that time is coming here. I think it will largely surround the, the issue of LGBT. Um, that's another issue, and I think it's going to be the inroad, the deep, deep inroad to that is going to be racial equality, which is going to bleed uh, right into um, uh, all sexual, kind of sexual expression and, and how that's uh, viewed. So that's that's a different subject for a different day. But I do think the day is coming, and we are going to have to respond in some way. I don't think, though, that the primary way is to defend. I don't think the primary way, even when you react and say, no, I won't bow the knee, you're not defending anything. You are saying, I, I worship this God, and he says this is what we do. We worship him alone. This is what he says is good. We follow this. You're not so much defending a way of life when it comes to that. Um, so with the, with the social distancing, yeah, I can see it. I can see it coming down to just saying, Hey, we're going to gather, we're going to gather regardless of what the guidelines are. We're going to gather. And I, and I think, you know, I'm not saying this right now because I think we are gathering right now. So we're good. Well, but without some of the restrictions and, uh, yeah, and I and I guess I would say if if this continues forever, you know, year and long, you know, like then I don't have a I timeline, just, but I the point is, know. yeah, we don't have a timeline, but the point is I just want to affirm the concern and and know that but also encourage you that we do we don't want to be reactionary as a reactionary as a PT and just go, "Well, screw that, let's go do this." Like we if we moved in that yeah. direction, it would it would take conversation and prayer and and uh Here's yeah. what I here's what I wholeheartedly reject. The virtue signaling that that you were getting into this that hey wearing a mask is caring for people. No, just stop. Social <laughs> distancing is caring for people. Maybe I don't know. It's but certainly it's not the end all be all of what it means to care about people right now. Um, you know these are the things that. So if you don't do that, you know because clearly. It's being, it's the protests are, are are not doing this. So, right. So, are they loving people or not? I'm confused, right? And I'm not saying don't <clears throat> protest. I'm saying let's be honest about this whole social distancing thing. Yeah. I mean, I see it all the time where it, it, it's, it's it's hey, oh, you know, we really need to be doing this because it's caring for our neighbors, loving our neighbor, to social distance. And I'm, I guess, I mean, in some cases, I think that's true. You, you can, you're concerned for someone's health. Absolutely. But now it's become more of a, a virtue signal, not so much a practical, this is actually caring for somebody's health. It's more, well, it, it, it appears to communicate that you care about somebody's health. And that's different to me. Um, so I have the solution because I noticed something. You're, you're, so who do you have to social distance from? Like if we go to church, they say you know, you know, six, six feet between other family units. It just doesn't even make sense. No, no. Can we be, can we just be honest? Let's just. It doesn't make a difference. All right, I said it. Now go okay. ahead. Tell me why. There, the, one, 
there is a study the CDC published that said it made no any difference in the transmission of this coronavirus, this COVID-19. And, and they've said that... And it's been three months. Do your own observations. Is it, is it really making a difference significantly to do this six feet apart? We've gathered at church. Game over. I mean, if the, if the, if this if this is going to be spread, yeah, yeah, it's kind of an it arbitrary make line. Any difference it's an arbitrary if you're six line. feet apart. So here's the thing: you're allowed to. If you and I, if I show up at church separately than you, then I have to maintain social distance. If we go together, we don't. So like, I, I can go to a restaurant with you right now, and we'll sit us together at the same booth. But if I show up separately. You know, for different groups to put us booths, booths apart. So the key is to all travel as one. Okay, so we get a big bus that can sit seat like 250 people, and we all show up as one unit. Oh, this isn't a serious proposal, but <laughs> to get, I'm just pointing out more of the absurdities in it. So. Yeah, I'm over it. And again, um, if you're, I, I do think if you have certain concerns for your own health and you want to stay at home, that's I understand. Yeah. But we're talking about the mass gatherings. We're talking about if you are going out and what we're being told to do, not what we right choose to do based on our own concerns or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So okay, well we're got we've gone an hour and twenty. Uh, yeah. Please, if something here is not helpful or confusing, please com- communicate with me. I'll be nice. Um, I want to help us think. And we do want to look. What we believe is everybody has errors and everybody has holes in their game. And and uh, and we as Christians should be the first to admit that and see that because it's a systemic truth because of sin and our own experience. So let's be tenderhearted and uh, patient, you know, fruit of the Spirit. And then from there, exercise discernment and and wisdom and ask questions and um but again big part of it is our our heart posture are we just threatened and angry and um and i've been there and uh uh, so let's check that and then uh and then look at jesus be thankful for his grace forgiveness and then go and do likewise right so joe any final thoughts exhortations no you've said enough yeah okay Cool. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you.